ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and patrons, hey patrons, uh, like, uh, what's up? How you doing? Uh, thanks for supporting the show. Just in case you're, I guess if you're listening to this, but just in case you're listening to this and you don't use the Patreon RSS feed, uh, you can email me, you can, uh, Post in the Sleep With Me podcast uh, Facebook, listener Facebook group, or you can contact support.patreon.com for help setting up your RSS feed in a podcasting app. You know, if you're listening to this on the Patreon website or through an email or on the app and you're used to consuming podcasts in a podcasting app, whether it's the Apple app or any, almost every other app allows you to add custom feeds and Patreon creates each patron gets their own custom feed. And that's part of what you pay for. Uh, and the customer service from Patreon is part of what you pay for because they control the feed and they will. They're more than happy to walk you through setting it up. Uh, so make sure you do it. It's a huge, huge thing because you deserve it for, for the easy way to listen to the bonuses. Uh, thank you so much. And let's get on with the show. Hey, you've all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is try to create a safe place or a place where you feel safe enough uh, to set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, uh, try to take your mind off of that stuff. Uh, I'm going to use... I get distracted. I, like, I changed that up a little bit. I don't know. Regular listeners probably caught that. Uh, it does a dual, dual distraction in the dialogue. Try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thinking, feeling, uh, physical, or emotional. Whatever is keeping you up, I'd like to take your mind off of that. And the way I'm going to try to create, try, try to create the safe place, uh, I don't think I'll cry to create a safe place. Uh, but though, you know, sometimes that can be relaxing and you say, okay, now I feel a lot better. Uh, but I'm going to try to create a safe place. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, whatever I said, dual, like, like meaningless, double meaning, meaningless, double meanings, uh, double, double vision. Oh boy. Uh, like uh, we'll use a form of verbal double vision and stuff like that. Goof, goofing around. I, like uh, there's the you know I was the first person not accepted into the goof troop. Uh, turns out that's like trademarked and stuff, so I shouldn't even say it out loud. That goofy is protective of uh, Goofy's IP. So um, don't. But that wasn't why I didn't get into the goof troop. Uh, there's go too much goofing around, believe it or not. Uh, they call that they have to consider themselves in a natural like they. I guess well, let's talk about it in a minute. Maybe I'll come back to that if I remember. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. I'm glad you're here, and I'd like to help you. Not necessarily put you to sleep. That's kind of the way I introduce the show, but it's really to uh, distract you while you fall asleep, to enable you uh, to get to sleep, to be here with you or for you, or both, uh, while you fall asleep. And if you're new, here's the structure of the show. First, uh, six minutes or so are business and thank yous and the people that work on the show. And we got to do that up front. Otherwise, uh, how would we keep the show going? And uh, got to do it. So that's at the front of the show. Not important if you're new. 
if you're a regular listener and you rely on the podcast, it is critical. So remember when your hand hits the fridge tomorrow to figure out who was uh, supporting the show and let them know you heard about it on Sleep With Me. Uh, but So th- that's this top of the show. Then we do an intro, which we're about five minutes into, four minutes, 3.27, according to my... They just looked over, but like there's an intro, usually they're around 12 minutes or 13 minutes or 18 minutes or 15, usually 12 to 14 minutes. Uh, and the intro is where I kind of set the mood, you know, like give, give a little, like, uh, like, uh, sit down with your new listeners, uh, and say, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming by. You know, the, the regular listeners, maybe it's like a little bit of familiarity, they say, well, Scoots is going to try to explain that podcast again. 600 episodes. He hasn't quite got that down. And he doesn't, he doesn't know his goof troop from his ducktail. If he, but boom, you know, holy, holy Monday morning, 1990s afternoons. Uh, you know, I do know, uh, like, uh, I, like, I don't know. I was going to try to think of some of the other shows on there, but not, oh, yeah, who's Splashpad or whatever? Launchpad McQuack. He had his own show, right? Uh, can't think of the name of it, but maybe it'll come to me. Dude, I don't even know if Goof Troop was a show. I think it was, though. But if you're new here, sorry about that. I get distracted a lot. Uh, and for, I'm forgetful. Of course, it's material. Of course, I'm. Just, this is just a bit. I'm not really so forgetful. I can't. Tailspin. That, that I couldn't remember the name of Tailspin. Or like 20 shows ago, I got Bosom Buddies and Perfect Strangers mixed up. You know, that's just a character I play. Yeah, I wish. I wish it was the case, but likely Tailspin came through. Uh, But anyway, so so if you're new here, uh, I'll be good. So there's a long intro, then we'll do the story parts. If if you're a big story fan, you have two options. You can look for the timestamps in the show notes and skip ahead. Or just sign up to, to support the show, and then you get uh, ad for, like you get story episodes uh, at every level. Just it depends on what level you support the show, how many you get a week. Uh, just straight story. Uh, so this is the intro, sets the mood. Then I'm going to do a story. Then we'll do some thank yous at the end of the show. Here's the thing: this is a podcast you barely need to listen to. It's like more like it's it's more than background noise and. <laughs> Say, wow, man, my ambition, where does your ambition, where, where does it ever cease, Scoots? Well, here's my, here's my ambitions. I'd like to be a, barely more than background noise and be, be able to remember those cartoons I watched a ton of when I was like 16 years old, uh, like DuckTales and uh, uh, like whatever the Launchpad show was that I forgot with them, Tailspin. And like uh, Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop and Animaniacs was on a different channel, probably a competitor. You know, they were tiny. You know, Bink, Pinky and the Brain was on there. So those are my ambitions. Uh, yes, uh, the stratospheric uh, in the clouds, uh, ideally a cloud like to distract you and to keep you company while you drift off, drifting like a cloud. So if you're new, you don't be, clearly say, okay, this kind of takes my mind off of this stuff. I can, I'm almost familiar with what he's trying to talk about. And I try to be friendly and kind, kind enough. Uh, the show isn't for everybody. So if you're getting a reaction, usually try two or three times. Uh, like, because if you're having trouble falling asleep, why not? You know, the podcast is free. 
and like I'm here to help you fall asleep. So, but it doesn't work for everybody. So I'm sorry if it's not gonna work for you. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. You know, I'm nice. I'm here. I'm giving it a shot for it. And I appreciate that you're giving it a shot. Uh, but you're also under no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for an hour to keep you company. So if you, if you're, you know, if you just need company in the deep dark night, I'll be here for you. You got to really, I've worked really hard on this, this story. So it should have plenty of meanders and stuff. So I'll be here and like, uh, but don't feel any pressure to fall asleep. Just fall asleep at your leisure. You know, kick back and kind of listen to me. You know, sink in, get comfortable. Because, cause, yeah, I'm your boyfriend. I'm your your companion. Ideally, like, as you cross over the threshold from wake to sleep, I'll be here at your side. Because I've been there in the deep, dark night having trouble tossing and turning. And, you know, if I couldn't have remembered uh, DuckTales, at some point I would probably lose, or like at whatever, launch pad. I mean, I did lose sleep. I did lose sleep. Actually, I think that's what happened. That was why I couldn't get into Goof Troop. I lost the Goof Troop sloop. Uh, and they said, like, uh, they said, well, how'd you lose the Goof Troop sloop? And I said, uh, well, I said, it filled with water. I tried to give it a scoop, a goop, and it was like, then I plugged the hole with goop. And then, you know, I'm the first person that Goofy has like gotten frustrated with. That's not a side of Goofy you really see. And Goofy said, quit goofing around, which cracked me up. Like, I was in hysterics. And then, of course, the other kids, it turns out the Goof Troops is summer camp for human human dogs children and like so like that's probably another reason why they asked me to leave because i'm 40s in my 40s and i'm 100 percent and part mostly human but man did i crack up then all the kid and they said there's no goofing around it and i said you got to be kidding and they like uh then we had a semantic you don't ever get into a semantics argument with goofy because, uh, and also none of the jokes Goofy will get, uh, like, especially when they don't make any sense, like they're coming out of my mouth. Cause I didn't even know what semiotic, semiotics means. Uh, but Goofy said that. And then I cracked up again and I said, can you say no goofing at the goof troop? Uh, and so anyway, that's, I guess like, so where was I? Oh yeah. That kept me up for a little while. Mostly laughing at Goofy because they said, oh, I think. Then I said, well, I wish I, I said, I wish I was at Goof Troop because I camped right at the edge of it and I could hear them all. More, it was tough. They heard board, like board game night, read gr- gratitude, letter read around. If you, ca- if you can qualify for Goof Troop, it really sounds like a wholesome, wonderful thing. Uh, bedtime story time. Which I said, dude, there's just some, I said, well, if I get into another, uh, what was that word called? Somatics argument or whatever with Goofy, I would bring that up. Uh, and like, uh, pop, they had pop movie night one night that made me jealous and I tried to look in the window, but so, you know, those are things that keep me awake and whatever keeps you awake, I'd like to distract you from that. I appreciate you coming by. I'm glad you're here. I work very hard, I strive, and I yearn to help you fall asleep. So uh, thanks for coming by. Let's see how this goes, all right? Thank you. All right, hey, everybody, it's time for our um, 
episodic series. Well, it's not, it's like, uh, whatever that, it's like, this isn't, I can never remember what it's called. Uh, uh, what is it? I almost had it there, but, uh, like a series, it's, it's pretty much episodic. Like, so you can listen to these in any order. Our series, it'll come modular, episodically modular, modularly episodic, uh, just like as portable as a classroom. Podcasts are more portable than portable classrooms, which aren't really portable. You know, they just mean it. Like, uh, that's what we got. Uh, and it, so, modular series after the glass slipper. The tale of what happened after Cinderella and the glass slipper. And then I'll give you the quick version. Cinderella became queen. And she was great. She's a great leader. But this mostly follows her stepmother, Agatha. Who is, uh, you know, you know, you may be familiar with her from Cinderella or the other tales. Uh, she wasn't that great. She's very, she really wanted to be royal. But at some point she kind of did her best and got into Cinderella's good graces. And then as the kingdoms dealt with stuff, uh, Cinderella, you know, under Cinderella's leadership, there's always challenges under a strong leader. And so Agatha tried to help, and sometimes it went good. Sometimes it didn't go. Sometimes it went great. Like maybe, and then uh, you know there was trouble and stuff. A lot of you know wizards are always messing with stuff and ogres or orgs, dot orgs. You know all those things. And so at some point, you know, in a great act of uh, redemption and self-sacrifice, she became a pit of lentils. Uh, kind of like a swimming pool full of lentils, uh, partially cooked, but still movable. And so she's a, she's, she, she's a teacher now in a classroom with where the pin of, pit of lentil with a pit, the pit is connected to other rooms. Like, like, you know, when you see, uh, really rich people's houses and magazines and they have swimming pools that like you can swim from the inside to the outside. I don't know if I've seen a house you could swim from one room to another. But she could go from her classroom to her apartment. And there's also pumps and stuff, I think. Because uh, she's, I mean, she's the queen's um, step. I mean, she's more like the hand of the queen at this point. Well, now she's just, she's just a professor, a co-teacher. She has a co-teacher named Shelly. So she's a pit of lentils, like lentils that you eat. And uh, that was in another story, though. But basically, she still has human consciousness and... She can kind of take a humanoid form if she needs to or point to stuff with like a, she has a lot of control over the lentils. And so she's teaching a class to students. Also, the fairy godmother comes from the fairy kingdom. And the fairy kingdom kind of got messed up when they dealt with this wizard. And so all the fairies and the humans started to live with, with each other. So this kind of class is kind of the... Uh, it's taught by Shelley, who's uh, like uh, like uh, culturally from the fa- fairy culture, and the students I think are mostly from the fairy culture, and they're kind of trying to re- explore some of the myths of the fairy culture. Uh, be, like that's what the class is about. Really, unfo- a little bit unfocused. I think it's Agatha's first time as a professor, you know. But when when you got a royal decree at your back, you can pretty much do anything. And also, she has a boyfriend or a beau, B-E-A-U, named Letterman. He was a letter that became a man. He's still also a letter. And they also helped take care of one of Cinderella's children. I think Cinderella's married to uh, the shepherd boy, Gonzalo. 
He was in season two, though, so you, you could check that in the archives. Uh, so here is another episode. Uh, sorry, I had to like also fill time. Uh, another episode of the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for another episodic episode. What was that word again? You, I forgot it too. I forgot it. I just said it too. Uh, modular. This is an episodically modular episode of After the Glass Slipper. Patoing. Patoing. That's Antonio Banderas, everybody. Silent clap for Antonio. Antonio, I have an ice cube for you. Oh. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks. thanks. After Glass Slipper, everybody. Oh, hello, every hello. I always pretend everyone's listening when I get back to the room. And my letterman is here. And there's so many things I miss about being a human woman. And sometimes I just like to fantasize when I'm talking to letterman that I'm still a regular person. I don't know what's harder, being a pit of lentils or being a former stepmother. Oh, I guess in some sense I'll always be a stepmother. But I came to tell you about my day. And it's uh, it's not easy. Like So we, we had a day today. Another class. And I know you're sleeping, so I'll try to be calm, let him in. It was really not that stressful. Just being, you know, I guess when you... You know, nobody's perfect. Even these... It's just, and now that I've seen some of these other stepmothers from the... Like, uh... I think the fairy culture may have been designed uh, to deal with, uh, like, these myths are more, it's tough to connect. And I, I see these tales, uh, like, why they called them fairy tales. Uh, because you say, well, I don't understand how did they become a, like, a belief system and practitioner. And then, like, when did you actually become... Uh, fairy people, but but this is the the myths, I guess, of the tales, you know. But this is not a pleasant one for step stepmothers. But you know, it wasn't about me. All the children, I think, I think I may be my own myth. Uh, maybe one day, you know, the myth of uh, that, it, like the fact that I became a pit of lentils, and I only can fantasize about lying in the bed next to you. And, you know, talk to you. I have to be just, it's a few feet away, though. It's not bad. And I know I can reach, create an arm and put it in the bed and pretend that I'm a human woman. But you are not a human man, so it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't work anyway. Uh, it's a perfect, we're a perfect couple as we are, let a man. A man who became, you a let a man, you know, talking and advising me and Cinderella and she's away and traveling with the children. So no, no baby to put to sleep today, uh, which is probably for the best. Cause this tale was, uh, it wasn't too, it, these, these, these tales can be quite, uh, now they went out a couple of the children. Shushal was one of the children. And then Rav, uh, I think Ravi, but he goes by Rav, uh, and uh, like, uh, what was the other? There was a couple of the children. I forgot the names. I'll, I'll look at the grades. But those two did most of the presentation, and they went and they 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 interviewed uh, Ravi's grandfather, 
and he told them of this tale about a frog bog. It was, I think it was called the frog bog, which is nice. That's a nice to name the frog bog. And it really, I guess it does have to do with the frog bog, but, uh, it was deceptive. I said, oh, so this is a tale about, uh, frogs. There'll be a frog prince and a frog princess. So will the frog get kissed? But it starts out like many of these tales, uh, very, uh, preaching to only one lifestyle, these older tales, which I say these could use some updating. Uh, but I, like, I guess it's not, I told Shelly, I said, let's re let's redo this in a more modern way, Shelly. Cause it just starts out with the same old husband and wife. Uh, and Shelly said, uh, you're supposed to be a professor of these myths. So we're trying to, and I said, well, preserve them. When you make preserves, Shelly, do you just, you don't just put fruit in a jar. Uh, do you? This was the debate we had. Unfortunately, it's in front of the children. And she looked at me like I was had gone mad. Uh, and Shelley's a progressive person, so I don't know why. She's a traditionalist of a progressive, I guess. So, so she said, uh, we're trying to, you know, and I said, well, I said, did you, didn't, she's just repeated herself. We're trying to preserve these myths. I said, well, tell me about, have you made preserves before, Shelley? And she said, I have. Uh, and I said, okay, well, walk me through. Do you, do you just pick fruit and put, put it on a jar, in a jar? And she said, a fruit wouldn't fit in a jar. And I said, okay, so do you just cut it in half? Let's say a peach. Do you just cut it in half uh, and stick it in the jar? She said, no, there's a pit. And I said, okay, so we I said, okay, so you would take the pit out. And then would you put the fruit in the jar? And she said, these are two different kind of preserves. And I said, keep going, please. Children, listen to this. We're going to talk preserves. And she said, no. And then we talked about, then we had a debate and none of us had an answer. I said, what's the difference between jam, jelly, and preserves? And there was three different cogent answers that all could have been correct. And so I said, interesting, interesting. We have no, but I said, okay, so we do know. Shelly, that you don't just stick fruit in a jar, and that's how you preserve it. Uh, uh, I said, well, you don't just preserve it by leaving it alone and saying, well, that's a peach. That, is that what you're suggesting? And she said, you know what I'm suggesting. And I, I said, well, would you add sugar, or do you add, you know, some uh, thickener? Do you boil it? Uh, and so it went on. I was, I was also having a little fun, you know, with Shelly. But I said, you know, we could, okay, so we won't up it. Maybe next semester we'll have, uh, you know, more modernized tales that aren't so. They uh, said, children, you understand you don't have, you know. And they said, we understand, Agatha, you talked about this yesterday. I mean, it, we live in a world, children, where a, 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 a lentil-based being can be in a partnership with a letter-based man being, maybe being. I mean, it, it, we're more beings. And uh, he said, you understand that? And they said, and then Shelley talked about the fluidity of lentils. And I said, Shelley, please don't make, this isn't a joking matter. And uh, I think that that just ended the discussion. I, I, I didn't realize I'd gotten so serious. Uh, Oh, but let a man, I do love you. So it is true. This is love. Uh, and love is helping one another, which we do. Which you, I guess you helped me with my teaching by sleeping through me talking about my day. And I do feel acknowledged because you do sleep with a grin on your face. Uh, 
which a traditionalist fool may say, well, let it, like a lentils and lettuce can't love one. And I say, well, you know nothing about love then. Uh, for you've never seen the smile on a sleeping letter man. And they said, it's not, you know, so anyway, but Shelley wasn't really, Shelley know what I, knew what I meant. She's just dedicated to the class and the myths. Uh, I just had to give it, you know, it's about to, a little bit about control. I need to be in control sometimes. But, and also distracting from yet another tale about a stepmother. So it's, so anyway, it starts again with a husband and a wife. Uh, and they live in a home in the country and they're doing pretty good. Uh, but they, they, they've been trying to have a child and they have not had much luck. And for a while, they're pretty happy, but then, you know, it starts to, to they say, well, geez, I don't know why. And they, they go to the traditional ways of dealing with those things and, you know, through uh, the, the medicines of the, the, that time and then the non-traditional means and then the, the uh, faith-based means. But they still don't find something to give them clarity or satisfaction other than they keep trying. And it isn't easy for them. And the wife, is she starts to take long walks. Uh, and as she, the, the, you know, even worshiping nature and seeing nature and seeing the blooming was both not easy for her. But she would also notice that she was noticing new things. So as sad as she got, nature was saying, hello, notice me. And a lot of the advice she had gotten was in the husband, too. Or I don't know if they were married. I think they were, though. I was making an assumption. Or maybe I'm not. But like, it was do stuff you know, with your time so you're not fixated on this. And she said, well, I don't know what I enjoy walking. And she wasn't into crafting or any of those things. And then one day on one of her walks, not far from a home at all, on the property that they would be considered to be owners of or, you know, you know the homestead or whatever, she found a spring that came up from under the ground and made a little bog. And around the bog at one time was some rocks built up. Maybe someone was using the spring for drinking, and she had never seen it before, even though the rocks made it clear that the the bog had been there, the spring had been there for a long time. And the bog was always freshened by the fresh water. Uh, like there was a pool. You say, well, how's this? Like I said, well, just it, it was a bog, a spring-fed bog or bog-fed spring. Don't fixate on it. Uh, but she said, I can't believe I didn't notice it, but it was in kind of, there was like a set of trees. And she said, oh, you know. And she loved to sit there and see the greens. And then she started to notice the frogs were there. And she would sing to the frogs as her mother sang to her as a child, which, you know, so, so she was uh, kind of living things. She, she was making good use of her time. And the frogs would look at her in a curious way, and she would sing to them, and she would tell them stories, and they seemed to like listening to her. And so she began to, to just see, she'd already been walking, so she, and she, her mood began to lighten, and... Her husband said, oh, you're, what have you been doing on your walks? And 
She said, well, I found a nice spring. And I, he said, well, there's a spring in your step. Uh, and they, they, they grasped onto a little more relaxation and happiness. Uh, but still, there was no birth or uh, pregnancy. But uh, she kept returning to the bog, and she found herself. And at some point, uh, and I thought this is where the tale was going, but she kissed uh, one of the frogs. Uh, the frogs became more and more comfortable with her and her with them, and she would have a feet in the bog. And she just kissed the top of the frog. It's not like she made out with a frog. These were regular frogs. She kissed at the top of the frog. And I guess these were some sort of magical frog for when she kissed a frog, uh, but not that kind of magic. Uh, she began to, to get a little fevery, and uh, each time, the first time she kissed the frog, she began uh, to, to, to see lights and see things in a different manner. And uh, at first she was kind of like shocked, but then she began to do it on a daily basis, and uh, she began to feel more comfortable in the fevery way she would become after she kissed a frog. And like, uh, and then she began to have very specific, like, uh, and she would even be dreaming, you know, or she, sometimes she would time it. Uh, so she would kiss the frog right before it was time to go to bed after her husband was even asleep. And she would have these uh, fever, fevery dreams, you know, filled with imagery and, uh, strangeness, uh, but she kind of craved it. It gave her like an adventure. And again, she was perceiving the world in a very different way. And it was like, uh, you know, it was a different for her. And finally, she had a conversation with her husband about it. She didn't tell him about the frogs, but he said, you've been talking a lot in your sleep, you know. And, uh, you know, tossing and turning and mumbling and, and uh, sweating and things. And she said, yes, I'm having these very intense dreams. Uh, and she said, uh, for the first time last night, I had a dream. She goes, go to the uh, theater, the local theater in the uh, nearby city town. And uh, see, see if, it, like, uh, the, the, like, go and check with them and uh, tell them I've had a dream about them. And the husband said, okay, he, he, he trusted his wife. Uh, and he went to the town and he told the head of the local theater, like, uh, in the head of the local theater, where they act and perform plays and things, came back with him. And he said, did you have a dream? I, like, I've been very, very stressed and down. And she said, you were in my dream as well. You were, you were ready to quit, uh, and he goes, that's, that's, he goes, that's right. And he said, what did you dream of? And she said, I dreams of your muses. And he said, mules, he said, mules is, uh, I don't have any mules. It's mule, it's mules, not muses. Uh, and she said, muses. And he said, what's a muses? And then they like, it took them a while. You know, she said, uh, she said, an inspiration. Now, don't you have anyone that inspires you, an actor or an actress? Uh, someone to, to write for and to perform for. And he said, well, no. He says, it's become a chore. And no one's interested because I'm not interested. And she said, okay. She goes, I saw uh, one of your muses. And he said, mules, like a. She said, like a mule, she will be as stubborn as a mule. 
and she will come, and she will be the intersection of aptitude and effort and passion and skill and the hard work to make those things majestic. And he said, on the she goes, get writing for her, for she will come to you. And he, see, he went off, and uh, even though he only had a vague idea of what a, he, he still pictured a mu- multiple mules, as, uh, he was ready, and he was happy, and he went off, and the wife felt happy, and the husband felt proud of his wife. And on and on it went, and uh, they both seemed more relaxed, and then she soon... She would call again, and she had a dream of someone at the, the, the jam exchange. This town was um, on the edge of mining territories, and this was where all the miners would come to exchange the things. And she said, there's someone stressed there. So the head of the exchange came back with the husband, and she said, I dreamed of you last night. And he said, what? And she said, Some, someday soon. An egg will be laid. This is the dream I had. It's a dream, remember. But uh, she said, an egg will be laid that you think will be your answer. And he said, well, he goes, he goes yes, yes. He goes, he goes, we're right up against it, right? And, you know, something. She goes, I don't understand the jewel, jewel exchange business. But she goes, an egg will be laid. And you will think you'll be the egg, you know. And when it hatches, all your answers will be within and she goes, there's so many facets to this egg, if you get my drift. And he goes, I don't know, an egg in a dream. So I get an egg, will it be filled with jewels? She goes, this egg will dazzle everyone around you. She goes, but it'll be almost uh, the end of you. And he goes, the egg will be, so I shouldn't eat eggs. She goes, no, 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 it's, uh, it's not an egg you will eat. She goes, but it, she goes, it'll, everything will pale in comparison to it. And she goes, it's, it won't occur, and none of this will occur to you. You barely remember talking to me, and you'll be distracted by the fact that it's an egg. And uh, but she goes, a many-faceted egg. And she goes, it'll hedge you towards, you know, what you fear the most, what you're already fearing right now. And at some point, uh, you won't be able to see the truth until... You're a little less stressed, and when you do, you'll realize uh, that you have to send the egg away. You almost have to give it away, uh, and that will be the answer. And he said, give away all my eggs. She said, no, 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 no. And uh, somebody, he said, okay, I guess I, they think I don't understand, but I, she goes, you will if you'll relax at the right time. And so he went away, and actually something relaxed in her, and soon she, she, her body began to change, and she grew pregnant, uh, and uh, she did have one more dream that she had called, like, uh, she had dreams of, uh, she said, called it the game master, who has the games at the Coliseum. And to send her to me, and the game master came, and she said, I had a dream of a game, a game with horse, you know. She said, chess, and the, the wife said, yes, maybe chess. And she said, a spectacular chessboard, uh, uh, giant pieces and shiny pieces, and everyone's impressed, the king and the queen especially, 
and the they, the giant king and the queen watching a giant king and the queen on the board. She goes, but do you know somewhere that that's not why they're watching? It's not uh, the look of the chess set. Is that what you call the chess sets? Uh, the chess pieces, the chess persons. And the game master goes, yes, yes. She goes, you know that the look of the pieces don't matter. It is the game that really matters. And the woman said, I don't think I toy quite get it. Is there more to the dream there? Like a an clear answer. And she goes, no. Like she said, but you'll understand when you need to. Just think about the spectacle of the game set. Uh, and she went off and like uh, the woman uh, continued to have the dream. Now, she, she, as soon as she knew she was pregnant, she had stopped kissing the frogs. Uh, but the dreams and the fever continued, uh, and as uh, the baby uh, got ready to come, you know, she continued to, 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 to enter this other world, even without kissing the frogs. And on the day the baby was born, you know, she said, I can't, uh, like, I can't stop uh, fever, fevering uh, and heading into this alternate strange dream world. Uh, and uh, she told the husband, you know, like, uh, uh, the reason I've been having these strange dreams is because I've been kissing frogs at the frog bog. Uh, and uh, before I, and he said, what? Uh, and she said, you know, if I, if I have to go live forever somewhere other than here with you and the baby, uh, I'd like to live at the frog bog. So could you put me there to, to live there just in case I have to live in an alternative place uh, for a long time? And he said, you've been kissing. He couldn't get over the fact she was kissing frogs and it was confusing and, uh, you know, it was a stre- you know, stressful situation. So they had a lovely baby and she nursed the baby for time and the baby grew strong and she could cross into the world of the dreams. Uh, but the husband was uh, overwhelmed and also like irritated about the frog thing. So he did not, uh, like, uh, he followed tradition and did not uh, let her live with the frogs forever. And he was so overwhelmed that he was uh, susceptible uh, to those who knew he had kind of grown a nice little nest egg. And, you know, people uh, uh, found his story interesting, and there was benefactors from the dreams occasionally. And so a woman came and, and she kind of like won him over and she was, she, they did get married and she had a daughter from a previous relationship and the son was older now. He was eight and nine or 10 or 11 or some such thing. So he had a stepmother now and she was not, uh, she was crafty lady. Like they kind of always craft these stepmother characters into being and ambitious and uh, ambitious above all things and greedy. You know, you know how it goes. Uh, she was a textbook stepmother. If your textbooks aren't so accurate, but they kind of are. And so uh, she didn't like the, 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 the son very much. And her daughter, her daughter was very nice. Uh, and she, she said, well, like I'd like my daughter, like I prefer, the son just got on her nerves and he remind, she reminded her of, uh, the husband still loved his first wife too, and he loved his son more than his the stepmother or her daughter. You know, he had love to go around, but 
you know, so one day she decided, well, I, I, I must give, like send this boy uh, to military school in the, cl- the cloud-based military school. But his father will never agree to that, so I have to do it in a tricky way. And so she she tricked the boy into uh, uh, she, she like uh, let's see she like uh, accidentally like uh, like uh, she was giving him a lesson on uh, they they had to prepare the firewood and she said well this is how you chop uh, chop it in half uh, and he goes I don't understand she was telling him a com- she said this is a, the Swedish method for chopping wood. And, you know, she got the boy, uh, she, she said, no, no, put your head down there and I'll show you. Oh, dear. And within even worse than that, she, she, she put the boy back in the kitchen and put a scarf around him, you know, uh, like, because uh, he, like, he had been, uh, you know, and, and she put a scarf around him and put, sat him in a chair. And then her daughter came in and she said, brother, brother, do you want to go play? And he didn't answer, of course, because he had gone to military school in the clouds. Uh, and she said, brother, why aren't you answering me? And uh, the stepmother was sitting there. And she said, "He's." He, she said, uh, "He's maybe he's asleep. Clap him on the back uh, and wake him up. Uh, she said, brother, brother, wake up. And he didn't wake up. And she said, clap him on the back and wake him up. Uh, and she clapped him on the back and then... His scarf rolled off with it, you know, roly poly, and the daughter was kind of like, "Oh no, dear! I didn't ever clap someone's back like that before, mother. What will we do?" And the mother said, "Well, the father can never know that the son uh, went to." She goes, "We'll just tell him he he left to go make his way in the world." And she said, "Well, where will we?" And she said, "I don't know. Like, uh, we have to find a spot to." to uh, to, to to enable him to head off to military college in the clouds. Uh, so they found a spot, which was the bog. Because uh, uh, she said, no one ever comes here for some reason. And so they said, well, maybe he could, uh, if you go under the bog, uh, down to the bottom, there's a, actually a portal to the military school in the clouds. Uh, that's what the mother told the daughter. And the daughter was, I guess, uh, she believed it, uh, so they said, well, we'll send him down there, and then he'll cross over to the military school in the clouds. But the father will be too upset. So they went back, and they told the father the son had gone to make his way in the world. He had had enough of his father. And the father was sad. He said, my son, I can't believe my son would go off and make his way in the world without me. And he was sad. And uh, I said, don't worry about it. You got me and my daughter here. Uh, and the daughter said, I don't like military college and the clouds and nothing or making my way in the world. Uh, and the father said, well, you were both very nice and kind. Uh, now, meanwhile, in over at the bog, the frogs had seen everything. And the frogs had missed the singer, uh, the, the mother, and they'd wondered why she'd never returned to them. And, you know, there was a little bit of magic in the air, like from those kisses. They weren't just hallucinatory. Uh, so uh, the frogs chatted among themselves, and then there started to be a bubbling at the bottom of the bog. And out of the bottom of the bog from the spring, there jumped a brilliantly iridescent frog, a little bit larger than most frogs, but not so huge. If you saw it, you'd say, ooh, what a big frog. 
And the frog looked at the other frogs and nodded, and the frogs looked at the frog, and it made some croaking sounds. And then the frog hopped off, and the other frogs followed it, and it hopped all the way into town and headed straight for the theater. And a show was just letting out at the theater, and they'd been having uh, this traveling actress come to perform pop melodrama plays. Uh, and the show had just let out, and the, the head of the theater, and the, they were all at the back of the theater trying to calm down and come down from the performance and, uh, you know, trying to prepare for the next night. And, you know, they weren't all super happy, and the main actress, she, she wasn't part of the, the local troupe. Uh, and the frogs came hopping along, and they looked, and the head frog looked at the actors and the actresses and the head of the theater and began to croak, and the other frogs croaked along, but it was more of a chanting croak, uh, croak, 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 you know, something, something, joke, brada, brada, roak. It was very relaxing. The motion was almost physical, the, the way the sound moved through the night air. And all the thoughts of uh, what happened to my serious plays and the melodrama and all the uh, actors and actresses, they seemed to calm them. And when the frogs were done, there was silence again. And the playwright said, please, please, please sing us some more, please. Uh, and the big frog and the other frogs hopped off and returned to the bog. But then the next night the play left out. It was the last night of the performance. And they were all out back again, and the frogs returned. And the head of the theater, the playwright, said, Please, please, uh, sing, sing us again. And the frog looked, uh, and he said, I, I have the wig from the famous performer, Gliaglana. Uh, she's known all over the world. I was going to use it, to, I was going to sell it. She wore it during the, uh, I was going to sell it. She wore it during the play. Uh, uh, but, it, like, I give it to you if you sing for us. It's the most valuable thing I can't currently have. Uh, it has a sweat on it. And then the, the frogs, uh, like, uh, it began to, to croak again, the croaking song. Uh, so guttural, but it was so relaxing. Roak, roak, roak. Roak, roak, roak. Uh, roak, roak. Uh. And they all just watched and... They let the sounds wash over them, and they relaxed, and the playwright threw the wig onto the frog. And as the frogs hopped off and the main frog had a wig on it, it looked like a, a bouncing wig, uh, uh, he, he began to relax and say, huh, I think things are going to be okay now. And the frogs returned to the bog. And then the next night they hopped back into town, and uh, they headed to the jewel exchange. And it was kind of intense there because the whole market had collapsed and been devalued. And so they had these night exchanges uh, to, to try to open the market for longer hours to boost prices. And the head of the exchange was there and the frogs came. And the frog, uh, again, they said, what are these? look at this frog, it's cute and bigger than most, a nice coat. Uh, and the frog started to croak, and everyone at the exchange went quiet, and the head exchange stood there. 
It went croak, 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 over and over in this vibrating manner that set everyone at ease. And when they ceased, uh, the head of the exchange says, please, please, frogs, another song for us. Uh, if you could call that a song, it's more beautiful than a song. Please, please, please. And the big frog looked at locked eyes with the head of the exchange, and they hopped off uh, into the night and back to the bog. And then the frogs returned the next night, and the exchange fell silent again. And the frogs just sat there. And the head of the exchange, he had felt something relax in him. And he had realized that the reason the entire precious uh, gem market had collapsed was they had gotten this giant uh, diamond egg multifaceted and, and, and very expensive and devalued all the other gems. And he said, here, here, please, another song. I'll give you this, uh, this, this gem uh, to take in the night with you if you sing one more song for us. Uh, he realized getting rid of this gem, while if you give it to a frog, ideally no one would take it from you. know, He said, this is it. This is the solution. And the frogs began to croak again, croak, 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 again and again. And everyone at the exchange relaxed, and the head of the exchange gave this giant diamond egg to the frog, who put it in his big frog pouch, uh, and the frogs hopped off into the night, and the head of the exchange said, oh, uh, you know, value is going to return slowly. Uh, that is, and, and the stress was gone. The frogs headed back to the bog. And then the next night they returned to town and they headed up the hill to the great Coliseum where the game master, she was hard, hard at work, uh, getting the next game ready for the games days. The amazing majestic maze was what she was in charge of. And each year, this maze had to be more and more impressive. And the king and queen were getting more and more tougher on her, saying, more, you know, we want more, more action, more spectacle. And so the game master, she was hard, hard at work. Uh, this, is just, this, is, this is something, she said, this is, it's really impressive, uh, really spectacular. But she just felt like she, she was not happy. And she was just sort of finishing polishing it uh, when the frogs arrived. Uh, and they began to croak uh, with the big frog in front. Croak, 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 croak. And she was put at ease, uh, and she was relaxed, uh, and she thought about a giant chessboard for some reason. And she said, please, another song. And the frogs hopped off into the night, and she returned to work. They returned to the bog. Well, the next night came. And the frogs returned, and the game master watched. And she said, I think I know what I'm to do. She said, please, one more song. If you do, I have this giant sphere here made of stone. And I don't know what you would do with it, frog, but it's the most I've worked for months polishing it into a perfect sphere or sphere. And I will give it to you, please, if you just sing me one more song. I, I'm, I feel like I'm about to grasp something or grasp it. 
and the frogs began to croak, 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 croak. And she felt a knot loosen in her, and she realized that she needed to trust her instincts as the game master, the maze maker, and to trust, uh, you know, the emotional journey of the maze and not the spectacle journey. And she said, this sphere is yours, this giant, giant sphere. And the frog, the big frog looked at the other frogs and gave them a nod to keep croaking while she started to work. Uh, and then it looked at the, he, the, the, the frog looked at the sphere and then the other frogs as a symbol. And she said, okay, I'll send it after them when they're done. And all alone, the big frog headed back to the bog, picked up the wig and the, the giant egg and hopped off away from the bog and to the home where the stepmother, the father, and the daughter lived. Uh, and they were out. It was a full moon and the frog hopped in. They were eating dinner. Uh, they were out outside and the frog began to croak. And the stepmother said, what a horrible sound. And then the father, he was reminded of how much his wife loved the frogs. He said, what a beautiful sound. And the daughter said, what a delightful sound from this frog. And they couldn't see it at first. Uh, the frog had hidden itself in the bushes. And the croak, 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 croak. And when it was done, the daughter clapped and the father danced and the stepmother scowled and said, no more. And the father said, please, frog, one more, one more, please. It's delightful. Do you know my first wife? She was a fan of frogs. She kissed. Did she ever kiss you? And out into the moonlight, uh, it jumped a, a, a wig uh, with a frog under it. And the daughter said, that's a wig of the most famous actress, like a her and all. You know, that's what everybody talks about at school. She did a play called Gemology, Truly, Truly, Truly Outrageous. Uh, she goes, that's her wig. Uh, I've always dreamed of being an actress. Uh, and the frog hopped up to her. It flicked the wig at her feet and hopped back off. And she said, for me, is this for me? And the frog said, broke, broke, broke. Uh, and she picked up the wig and she put it on her head. And she felt uh, like truly alive, like she truly had a purpose connected uh, to this uh, actress somehow. And then the father said, uh, oh, Frog, what a wonderful gift. And the stepmother said, no, just if you would give me a gift of the song. And the frog hopped off to the bush and kicked with its bottom of his chin, the egg, the great diamond egg. And it rolled to the feet of the father. And the father picked up the egg and he said, is this a glass? And the stepmother said, that is a, the famous diamond egg. But the father was not caught by that. The, the glistening of the moonlight caught the father's reflection in a thousand facets. And the father saw his face in the moonlight. And he saw how, like, his son heading away. And, uh, he, 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 like, uh, that he, 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 he had a great reflective moment. Uh, and he saw that how it had aged him. He said, I will use this diamond egg to find my son 
and I will give my first wife what she had. And the stepmother started to, no, 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 none of this is right. None of this is right. Uh, that is mine. It is half mine as your wife. And he said, well, only if we use it to return, you know, I have to track down my son to help him find his way. And I should have always put my baby, but my first wife wanted to stay with the frogs. I'm sorry, frog, and I'm sorry to her for not uniting. I was slightly jealous my wife was kidding, kissing frogs. I thought it was weird, and I, I took it personally, but I'm sorry. Will you sing once more for us? And the frogs started to do a greater, greater croak. You know, they could carry across to the city. And the stepmother said no. The father and the daughter thought it was delightful, and they clapped. Uh, and the father felt a great relief connecting and, and saying, oh, now I know my purpose is to find my son. Uh, and the daughter said, I know my purpose is to act. And the stepmother said, please cease this, cease this. And then there was a great rumbling, and the stepmother stepped out, and the frog continued to croak. She said, if you do not cease this uh, croaking, I will croak you, frog. And the frog hopped back a few more steps and kept croaking, croak, 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 croak. And she stepped a few more feet, and then the frog headed, and there was still this rumbling and rumbling coming. But she was oblivious to it. She said, this is, you will cease this. Uh, and she was out on the path alone. And down from the hills, across the fields, while she was focused on the frogs croaking, came a great stone sphere rolling and rolling and rolling, picking up speed. And it picked up the stepmother and took her away uh, forever and ever. And the father said, oh, dear, that was, and, you know, it just kept rolling until, it, you know, rolled, rolled quite far away. And, uh, you know, stepfather, unfortunately, did feel relief. He said, oh, well, uh, tomorrow I will go find my son, but tonight I will return my wife uh, to the bog. I'm sorry again. And she, he followed the frog to the bog and, and uh, let his wife live there. And as he did, the, the frog changed back into a boy. His son. Uh, and he said, you are my, my son, you are a frog. And they just embraced and they, the three of them huddled together. The daughter with a wig on his head, the father with a giant diamond egg. And the boy, he could still croak. Uh, he brought that back from the, and the other frogs. Uh, and the boy began to become a frog kisser, as his mother had before him, and help other people uh, find their way through his visions and dreams. And the daughter obviously became a great actress. Uh, and the father just kept a hold of that as he realized how it affected the price of precious gems in the area. Uh, and he would just look at himself and realize how grateful he was. Uh, uh, for what he had, and for that big rock sphere. That's what the children all laughed as Shelley said that. Uh, very grateful for that sphere to pick up the stepmother. And that was how the tale ended, my letter man. And I'm quite exhausted, so I'm going to lie here with you. And to sleep as a pit of lentils, to sleep too. Good night.